0: Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions eighteen plus.
1: Well, they say a week in Speedway is a long time, and so it's proved. We're back. Episode two of Round of Boards and Speedway podcast, joined by Rob and Kane. How are we doing this evening, fellas? Bonjour, should I say.
2: Oh, God.
1: Hello. Je m'appelle Nathan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good, apart from listening to that, listening to Kane try and say bonjour.
1: Bonjour. <laughs> we,
2: bonjour. We have, we've Bonjouri.
1: gone all continental this evening in honour of our guest and round the board's celebrity status for Ty Proctor, who's going to be joining us shortly. Um, He's coming on the show um, talking about his venture into French Speedway, which begins this weekend. Um, Rob's volunteered to uh, announce the teams for us because he's not happy with mine and Kane's French pronunciation. But I thought it was quite good earlier, but...
3: Rob's I, not,
2: well I, I, yeah, it was all right. I may have I may have blown my own trumpet a little bit by saying that I could pronounce pronounce the names correctly, but I don't know. Ty Procter. It's, I mean you can't even say Woofinden correctly, so I can't it's
1: Yeah, I struggle with English, The French is always gonna be struggle. Best? So we shall commence. Um so obviously the main feature of the show this week is is the interview with Ty, but um just some bits to come out. Of the sport this week and um, just when we thought it couldn't get any worse off the back of 22 and we all come come back with rejuvenated attitudes and wanting to big up the sport, along comes um, Chris Holder and Peterborough Speedway. So just to, for, for those listening, if you're not already in the know, and I'm, I'm sure plenty of you are, um, Chris Holder has released a Instagram post this week, um, a picture of his nicely drawn out Kevlars for this season. Um, one thing I just want to point out um, the red and black attack, as Peterborough are famous for, um, now looks like they've become the purple and white shite. Oh. Oh. How do we like that?
2: Oh.
4: Uh, I, mean, I, I actually like it. Maybe not, obviously not for their team, but as a Kevlar itself, I think it looks all right.
2: Well, the race is quite, nice. It's yeah. just a shame it's not their. Uh... Their team colours, although I would be slightly hypocritical coming from a Swindon fan, seeing as we've had purple and white in the past, and then obviously in 2019 we had orange as well. So,
1: For any for any Pussycat fans out there, I, I, it is in jest. It, it's obviously um, because of the, the, I don't know what we call him, Michael Tomlin's uh, invested into Peterborough Speedway. He's a, he's a long-time sponsor of Auric uh, Guard, I believe, so... Um, and this is where a problem has arisen. Um, Chris Holder, it would appear, was signing for Peterborough. Um, he's it, It's all gone quiet on that front until last week when, as Chris put it, um, somebody finally decided to call him to tell him he hasn't got a place anymore. So um, we can all, um, I suppose, guess of, of, of the reasons why. But what do we think of it? Kane, I'll come to you first. It's, Another, a it's a shame. Another nail back in that coffin that Rob took out at the end of last season.
4: Yeah, hammered firmly back in, I think. Um, no, it's. Well, we'll wait and see who they've got lined up as a replacement, but, you know, it, just having Chris back in British Speedway would be good. And um, it's a shame the way it's been conducted. It doesn't have to be public, but obviously when it does go public and it's it's as bad as that, it's. It's not a good look for anyone really. Um yeah. Just a shame. Um I'm sure they'll have a, a decent replacement lined up because it's not often you want to get rid of Chris Holder, but obviously they've got the history with Chapman, so you never know. Um yeah. Bad. Not
1: good. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'll, good, I'll come to you Rob. It? Rob cuz you were quite you've been quite vocal on social media about this and I suppose the elephant in the room is the the relationship between uh, Buster Chapman and Chris Holder. Uh, obviously, dating back to 2017 at Kingslin, when Holder was sacked essentially on deadline day and left without a club for the rest of the season. I think we're just it, it's it makes well it doesn't make sense, but this is the reason that Chris Holder won't be a Peterborough next season.
2: Yeah, it does, um, it does seem that way. Uh, I was only sort of going off of what, I, what I'd read and seen that possibly I, I think Peterborough, that there was a new owner in the works or um, there's definitely some sort of uh, financial backing coming from someone, whether that's the new owners or not. And I think they were quite keen or seemed to be from what I could see quite keen on, on signing Chris Holder for Peterborough. Um, but obviously with the club still being owned at the moment, I believe, by Buster Chapman, I, I think, I, from outside looking in it looks like he's blocked it possibly because of what happened at kingslin um i suppose that is what happens yeah these sort of things are going to happen when you've got someone that owns multiple clubs in the same league uh it doesn't seem very um smart it it, it doesn't it seems a bit silly but um yeah, we'll, we'll see see who uh, who they come up with in, in instead i mean you you guys um I've mentioned, I believe Laguta, which would be, I, I suppose, in theory, would be a a step up. You would say it's probably as for all as as good as Chris Holder is. I would imagine Laguta is probably a little bit better at the moment. Yeah, um, so it could be a blessing in disguise for Peterborough, but yeah, it's a bit harsh on Chris Holder.
1: Yeah, I'd, I suppose if I'm if I'm again, uh, this is all speculation, but if I'm Michael Tomlin, who's brought the brought some money into Peterborough to keep the club afloat. And you'd want to say in the running of the club and which riders are coming in, surely he's looking in there thinking, Well, I understand that Chapman owns the club, but surely he should have a bigger say based on who's coming in because he's putting the money up front. Yeah, definitely.
4: yeah,
1: I think
2: you're right. I thought, I think you know, I think, well, you lost the uh, I what's the team manager saying in, 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 amongst all of this, you know, you'd like to think that the team manager has a, a pretty big say in, in who comes in and who, who isn't coming in. Um, you know, you know I'm just sort of looking at, at Swindon when we were running that Roscoe had quite a, a big input on what, which riders Swindon signed and which riders Swindon didn't sign. So, um, yeah, for an owner to be so, uh, involved in the team building, I know they've had their falling out. I know he's had a falling out with Chris, uh, Chris Harris, Chris Holder in the past. Well maybe it's... you don't know. Well he might have had a he might have had a fallen out of Chris House, I don't know. But we'll have to ask. um Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I d I don't think he's very good. I don't think that's a, the right way to go about it. I think um yeah, I just think it, it just seems a bit it's all a bit fishy, really.
1: Yeah, and then obviously that what's come out now is as you've mentioned already, the 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 possibility of Artem Laguta coming over, ex world champion. Mm-hmm. You could, I suppose, you could classify him still as a Grand Prix rider. Potentially coming into the British League, which is only going to make us stronger again.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, the the strong, you know, we, we want to see those the the bigger right, the bigger names in in Britain. Or I certainly do myself. Anyway, I think uh, the top league needs that. I think there's, there's probably not enough of. Um, you know, we spoke about it last year. There's probably not quite enough of a of a gulf between the the Premiership and the Championship. So. Having those big names, those big riders, those the top quality riders in, in, in the top division is I think can only help speedway in the country. But um yeah, it remains to be seen who who goes where. But obviously Peterborough have a number of points to use now. So mm. we'll see what happens, as do Ipswich, of course. So uh,
1: yeah. And before we move on, um I can see him sitting patiently in the corner. Um he's joined us. It's round the board Speedway Royalty, I called him. He's probably The man that produced one of our greatest ever episodes. And by God, I think we were up till past midnight talking to this guy about Speedway. But Ty Proctor's here. Ty, can you hear us?
3: I can, boys. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, absolutely. Perfect. How are we doing this evening, Ty? All good. All good. Brilliant. Thank you for coming back on the show. As I said, the previous episode we had with you was was absolutely brilliant. And and one of the best ones, uh, I think, for us and the people, the listeners as well. Um, so it's great to have you back on so we can talk to you again and see how things are progressing for you. So last time we spoke, um, over, about a year ago now, um, you were you were riding for Berwick um, in the Championship, which unfortunately finished with injury for yourself. How are the injuries now? Is every Are you fully fit or as fully fit as you can be?
3: Well, I feel fully fit. Yeah, it, it was a strange time at Berwick for me because uh at at that point uh, leading into the season i was like apprehensive if if i wanted to ride due to i was applying for a visa to live in the uk so i had to earn a certain amount of money i don't know if many people would have had to deal with this in their life you've got to earn a certain amount of money being self-employed you've got to earn a certain amount of profit a year and um you know, and, and it was tough because I was, like, working a full-time job as well. And, um, you know, and then I crashed and got injured and I had to sit on the couch for two weeks. And I'm looking at it going, like, oh, this ain't good. And then I come back and, like, try and ride. And, like, I it, this still stemmed from when I broke my neck, essentially. Um, just my right arm, basically. Uh, it, it just kept going numb. And, um yeah, it wasn't great and, and it was it was mainly when I was on the bike. When I was going to work, I felt okay to be fair. I, I had moments, but it was mainly when I was at uh, when I was sitting on the bike and I went to Berwick and I couldn't hang on and and then a f- few things happened and, and I was like in the back of my head I just had this visa like do I sacrifice like getting back on a bike for, you know, the rest of the season or do I focus at my long term of what I want in life and and it was quite an easy decision when I th- thought like that. So I had a conversation with Beric and and explained the situation to them that like, listen, I understand if you've got to replace me because I can't give you a time frame. And the inevitable happened, you know, we, we still speak and we had a chat during the, the off season about potentially going back to Beric and um, it just didn't eventuate. So like that's happened with a few clubs this year here in England and um, it happens, I guess. Um for me, for me, Speedway is, when I was younger, it was the forefront of my life and I just wanted to be a Speedway rider. And if I didn't have a contract, I'd be stressing where now I'm I'm not as, uh, I'm not as, uh, not as fast as I once was, you know, I still love the feeling of riding my bike. I, I went up to near Canes the other day and went on the beach beside the new Workington and had a ride with Kyle Wickley and we went on the beach and blasted and and it was awesome and I loved it and. And that was part of the reason I know we'll lead into it, but me signing in France was that I still get to race my bike, but I still get to do, just, I still get to have what my life is at the minute. And that's basically around work and, and set myself up for life away from Speedway.
1: Yes. So, so as you just mentioned there, um, <clears throat> moving to, to French Speedway this year, um, which is very interesting Um I know in the past they've had teams over in France and I know Le Monde was one that have withdrawn, and they've got a new team in there. So they've got four teams over in France. But what is it about France that was an attractive option to go and ride? Was it uh, obviously around work commitments? And is it, it Was, was it, it that, that was, a lot
3: easier? That, that, that was solely it. It's five meetings for the season. Um, the deal that I did, I didn't have to take a bike. So I, I just have to fly in with an engine. Um, and, and I could go to work on the Monday morning, and and then it's not about midweek. But in saying that, yeah, it's not about like the midweek, the midweek tracks, and and that that's the difficult thing. And you look at British Speedway now as a whole, and and I'm just going off on a bit of a tangent here, as I do. But oh, not again, Ty. I I just feel like this is an important point right now. So say someone like myself is uh, – I class myself as a semi-professional speedway rider now. Uh, I still race because I still love it and I still get paid for it. But I still go to work Monday to Friday. Well, Now you look, apart from the National League, one club at Berwick and then three Friday nightclubs, we have nothing on the weekends here in the UK anymore. We've got nothing – So potential to work and ride. And then this just puts more pressure onto the clubs that then we've got to get paid at a decent level. You know, we're not charity. So I just find that the the structure right now in the championship for me is a a little bit strange that there's not a lot of accommodation. There's a lot more midweek stuff than than weekends. There's one Saturday nightclub, which I find baffling.
1: Yeah so it's interesting you bring that up because we've had um we've had Paul Bowen on the show last season he talked mm-hmm. about the structures of the league as well. Is there other than the weekend tracks is there something else that would make it more attractive to say as you class yourself as a semi-professional rider again to come ride back more regularly.
3: Yeah so obviously there's two clubs in the championships that don't have haven't got haven't been filled yet but obviously they're struggling to get riders and I've been in contact with both clubs and it's it's my I'm lucky that who I work for I work for PBHS and the Bates family that run Sheffield and Leicester so I'm kind of fortunate in that aspect but in the same context they're running a business as well they, they can't just have me swanning off willy-nilly and then not showing up the next day because I've had a crash and, and whatever, yeah? So, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is on that because the, the simple answer is more money. That that That's the, the simple, long and short answer. But I ain't unrealistic to know that that's not possible, you know? So, it's just about... I just think that if there was a little bit more accommodation to riders in, in terms of what aspect in their career they are. Now I look at that championship and we went through this last time I was on. I said that it was too strong. So we've, we've knocked the points limit back, but we've still kept all the same heat leaders. So we've now got a distinct top end and lower end in the championship. Now that doesn't create good racing, in my opinion, right? If it was more balanced, you would have had more jobs for people like Ashley Morris, Drew Kemp, Dan Thompson, Anders roe right. Yeah. You know. So I just think that some of it has to fall back on the the promotion, but mainly, my opinion is the fans. So the fans want to see their big name riders in the championship. What they're not understanding is they want to see the big name riders. Then you follow a big club like a Wolverhampton, a Sheffield, a Bellevue, Ipswich, you know, you you follow an elite league club to watch your best riders. Now we're watching and you can stream it and everything. Riders that are riding at number one in the premiership, riding at number one in the championship. Now, I understand that those lads need to earn a living as well. But I just don't know what the answer is. That That's that's long and short of it right now for me. Yeah, and that's uh,
1: very much along the same lines as what we talked about with Paul. And also, we come into it when the fans um, are paying their money. And this is another one for me. It, it almost feels like we're now paying for a premium product. And, and in this way is no not degrading to any riders that are on show. But No, no, carry on. I, I agree. For me at Kings Lynn, I'm, I'm now having to pay probably £25 a meeting to watch potentially <clears throat> some of the same riders that someone in the championship might be paying three or £4 pound less for. <clears throat> and, and it's not always, well, it's not, it's not about that as well, but it's about the fact that we're, we're paying for a premium product that, we're you, not getting the greatest racing because, as you point out, there's such a gulf between the top and the bottom end.
3: Yeah. So you said about Paul Bowen and I watch that. I, I know Paul quite well and we speak quite – not regularly, but we, we do speak a little bit because I think he's got a an educated mind. Um, his thing on YouTube that he put on about British Speedway is by far – the, the whole nucleus of what's where british B-ways are in my opinion so i look at that and go like right okay well he's hit the nail on the head there, there's nothing more than he's he said nothing but brutal facts that are, that are just facts like yeah i i, I, that, I that's my opinion on it you know <clears throat> this uh value for money is is what it's about and don't get me wrong, riders should be able to ride in it. And I'm not saying that every rider in the championship, like above say an eight point average, should be out. I don't agree on that. Someone like a bomber, you know, a bomber deserves to, to ride in the in the championship and the premiership. But I just look at ambition. You know, there's some riders in that I I made a choice in 09 to just ride in, you know, go ride top league and go ride in Poland and Sweden and all that stuff. And it took a conscious decision to do that. And potentially I lost a lot of money for it, but at that point I thought the most important thing in my career was to go to that next level. And that's what I chose to do. So, you know, I might've been wrong or that theory might've been wrong, but uh, you know, I looked at it like that is if I wanted to go to the next level is I had to get away from the, the, the championship and and, and just attack a a premiership career and, Poland and Sweden and try and go that next level.
1: Yeah. And I think um, it's probably quite important for riders like um, Anders Rowe and Drew Kemp, who we've mentioned that they're now going out to ride in under 24 leagues in Poland. But what's the most disappointing thing for for me and probably the other two guys on there as well is they've had to stop riding in their home country due to average limits, which seems
3: unjust. Well, well, whether that's all facts, that's all, uh, you know, whether they whether it's it comes down to that or negotiations with those riders were were too substantial. They wanted too much than what they're worth, or or what I I don't know on that on that because there's a lot of that. Sometimes you know you look at a British rider or a rider miss out on a team spot that somebody really wanted, but they. That a club wanted deep down, but they were too expensive, you know. So it, it, everything's got to work in a ba- in a budget and a and a system. But I do see your your premise in that that people like oh, I look at Dan Thompson more than anyone. Like, yeah, you know, Drew Kemp and and Anders have had a crack at it. Anders made a choice last year to just go abroad. You know, left his British clubs and went abroad. So that was his choice. Like maybe there's no loyalty to Anders from clubs because there's been no loyalty from Anders to clubs, whether that's the facts or, or not, I, I don't know. But I look at Dan Thompson, somebody that, you know, he's been at Leicester his whole career and, and and really progressed really quickly. And, um, you know, Leicester have decided to go up and then there was no option for him. And that that is because his average was slightly inflated because Leicester was his home track and, and he, he was dialed in around there. But, you know, someone like him deserves definitely the chance.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree. And just moving on to another topic, <clears throat> we were talking about uh, pre-you arriving on the show, and I'd love to gauge your opinion on this as well, because this has become more apparent since probably last season and it, riders coming out on social media. I don't want to use the term attacking clubs because I don't think it's an attack, but I mm. think it's, it's giving...
3: Voice in their opinion,
1: yes, it's a voice and it's an insight into what is actually happening because I I think, and I don't know if Kane and Rob agree with me at times, we're being lied to. I, I spent a good two weeks trying to contact Bellevue and Kingsland last season as to why Robert Lambert was announced in the lineup but did not show up. Hmm. Um, and I got nothing out of either club other than the fact that they were blaming each other. Now, what's happened at Peterborough? With Chris, um, what what do you make of it? First off,
3: well, on the Robert thing, you should have just asked Robert; he would have told you.
1: Yeah, well, well. To be fair to Robert, he came out the next day and he told everybody what had happened, and no one's got any reason to dis. I mean, the, the abuse that he got on social media was disgusting. Um, yeah. And he came out and he gave us the facts, but the clubs did not still come out after that and give. A reason why he was named in the club in the starting lineup. Now, I that I, d- I moment-
3: didn't I didn't agree on Robert, and and Robert's a friend, and I I'd tell him to his face. I didn't agree on on him being able to sign it that late in the season. Yeah, that that's my opinion. That that's you know that's like uh that's like uh let's say Marcus Rashford getting injured three days before. Euro final and like Champions League final, and you draft in Messi, Mike <laughs> Yeah, it makes no sense. But on the Chris Holder one, I don't know a lot of facts about it. I don't know a lot about it. I, I obviously read the post, and I feel for I feel for Chris in this situation because Chris hasn't been here for a lot of years. He's hummed and hard whether he's going to come back or not. He's made a made a commitment to Peterborough. And then if what's being said is true, it's not great.
1: But I think we're seeing, this is now cropping up more and more across the sport. I was, um, I'm sure you're close to Kyle Bickley. Yeah. And there was a, there was an announcement made last season, which Kyle felt he had to come out on social media and set the, set the record straight, essentially that he wasn't short on confidence as the Berwick promotion were making out. And, there was other ones with Jake Mulford on his uh, release from Kings Lynn as well last season. He had to come out and almost defend his position. Do do the clubs owe it to the supporters to now start telling the truth?
3: Well, I just think you tell the truth in any aspect. That's my opinion. I think we just come out and we say the facts. You know, like in the past, I left Sheffield and went to. I left Sheffield and went to Leicester. That wasn't Sheffield's, uh, that wasn't the Bates family decision. That was my decision. I chose to leave Sheffield because I felt like I was not respected by the fans and I copped a heap of abuse over the fence and And I just kind of was like, this ain't for me anymore. And they said like, right, well, you can go to Leicester if you want. And I was like, right, well, here's the opportunity. You want Todd Kurtz back. You bring Todd Kurtz back in. And I'll go there. Like the fans like Todd Kurtz, they don't like me. So what's the point in being here? And mm-hmm. and it was similar, similar situation happened with me at Kingsland with Peterborough. That I knew that someone was going. I knew that someone was going. And before the ship had even sailed, I contacted Peterborough personally myself, even though I know Buster owned the two clubs. I contacted the behind the scenes management at Peterborough and said, Listen, I feel like I'm going to be leaving King's Loon. Like, I need a plan B here. Like, and that's how that happened. It wasn't like, well, Buster just signed me straight over. That, that, I never once spoke to Buster about that in any sort of, um, in any sort of way. It was just like, right, mate, like, what's happening? And I spoke with Shrocky at the time and I spoke with Carl Johnson and they were the two people I spoke with. And I said to Shrocky, is it me that's going? And he said, oh, so if it's me, just, just tell me I'll make a plan B. And which I did. I went to uh, Peterborough and made a plan B. So I think sometimes just honesty needs to come out, but then it, the way that we word things as a, and, and this is just a medium media across the board. And, and this is one thing that um i wouldn't, I wouldn't say use a journalist but use fans talking about the sport there's more of this sort of stuff across the board in every sport now right and then you've got your everyday journalists that get paid to make opinions and and, and type shit up and and say what they've got to say and then there's you guys that are in the middle that you just want the truth and I think that that that's it. Sometimes, sometimes the media, in any sport, put things in place to just get a little bit of clickbait.
1: Yeah, and I think it's almost to deflect the blame as well. Yeah, I think what you've what you've just described is exactly the same as what happened to Louis at Kingsland last season. He knew, or when I spoke to him, he knew it was between him and someone else that mm-hmm. was getting sacked. Mm-hmm. And he made the jump to go because he thought it was going to be him. And it, it's just, it just yeah. feels, un, it just feels underhand at times, um, mis misguided from promotions. And I don't, I just don't understand why they don't tell people the truth and treat people like
3: fools. Well, that's across any sport, isn't it? It's across mm. anything, business, anything. You know, you, we deal with this every day, you know, and you're and trying to get, I follow Supercross, like, religiously in America. All I listen to is podcasts and watch videos and everything. I follow it religiously. And and you get some on that, that I'm listening to one thing and then somebody else is saying something different. And you're just like, well, well, what's the answer here? You know what I mean? So um, long and short, you're probably right. You know, we need to just be more factual across the board of what's happening. Tell people the truth of what is happening and where things are going. It's as simple as that.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'd, rather than keep moaning, I think I'd like to move on to a a, a nice topic that's just come out this evening and the club that was you were close to at Workington. Yeah. Um, Steve Lawson just been taken on as co-promoter. I know that's made Kane very happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it, it's great for the sport. Steve is has got a long association with Speedway. He's Um, done a lot of work with Workington and the the efforts he's put into that track is fantastic. And for me, I'd love to make the trip up to Workington this season to go and to to watch racing on that track. You need to.
3: I, I, I went up, I don't know if Kane's been down, but I've been up a couple of times now. I went up, I went up when it was first laid in the track um, and Bainesy took me around and showed me everything and when I was there Steve Lawson was on the tractor mate flat out just going non-stop and um, we had a chat and I had a look and I was like this is impressive and then I went up last weekend the weekend before and like I say I went up to just have a ride on the beach and just have a ride again just to get a feel before I go to France and I went up and where I rode was hundred meters away from the track so when we finished we went and had a look and my lord is it impressive it's like everything about it but my main point is steve lawson was still on the tractor doing a million laps so that that's the impressive kind of stuff you know what i mean and he deserves to be a co promoter he, he deserves whatever steve lawson's a very good man and he's got speedway at the forefront and and that's all that matters he just wants to get speedway back on at workington only point I'm working to right now for me is somebody that lived in it in the last era is that the fans need to show up there. If the fans don't show up there, they're in the same... They'll be. They'll end up being in the same boat again. You know, the fans that we got in the last two meetings was astronomical, but the whole rest of the season, it would sustain National League race and well, that venue is over and beyond... A national league level that that could be at the high end of FIM meetings, and the lot that that's how good that place is. Mm. I'll bring you in now, Kane. Kane, are you with us?
4: I am indeed.
1: I know you're obviously excited for Workington to be back as well. So just give us your opinions on on what you see and and what you're looking forward to. And as you're up there, will the fans come back again?
4: I think it's the same as what Ty just said. There, you know, it it's built to be. Not, not the best, but, you know, it's like... They want to have AM events, I'm sure, because it's built to that standard. Um, I have a, a slight concern about the fans again, because, obviously, even when we were winning... I, I think m- most fans, It's as long as you win at home, you know, they'll turn up. But for some reason, they just... It was like a year after year thing. They just sort of dipped off a little bit. Ever since, like... Well, I started going in 2009... And maybe in the tens is when I started notice it, like twenty twelve, down or on, onwards. Um, so I'm a bit worried, but obviously good things are coming out. I think it's a good team this year. Um, so obviously, I think a, a few might get put off by national league, but racing's racing. It's four people on a bike, and you know on that track, it's going to be really good. So I, I don't see a if you just look away from the National League aspect of it, it can be as good as any other league, in my opinion. As long as you've got four people going for it, it doesn't matter who it is.
3: I I totally agree, mate. I I watched Speedway across the world and I watched that meeting in America the other day and it was great racing. You know, Carla Galt pulls the boots on after 12 years and is in the mix it's irrelevant as long as the track's good and everything's good yeah for me that that venue reminds me a lot of melilla in sweden just the way that it sits the wind turbines in the background and i think that like um everything that he's got in place so far what i've seen it is at a high-end standard of everything and like when i was there the other day they were building like uh, VIP boxes and, and stuff like that, like stuff of like next level, you know. And just the the pits, the size of the pits alone are massive. So it's got all the credentials for the the great stuff. And I wish them nothing more than success. And I hope that they get thousands every meeting my concern is, is what I seen last time in in 2018. That's my concern.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll bring Robin on this one as well if he's there. And ask all three of you. Obviously, the, the fortunes of the team is important to keep the fans coming. Gauge your opinions on the team itself. Um, Rob, I'll come to you first. I'll leave Kane, the impartial one. Oh. I'll come <laughs> to you, Rob. First, what do you make of that Workington team? Uh,
2: I think I think it's quite a handy team actually. I think it's quite a, quite an exciting one. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's a couple of names in there I'm not overly familiar with. Like uh, I'm, I'm sort of going off of. Maybe Kane's hype a little bit when we when we talk about um, you know Luke Harrison at reserve um, could be quite good. No, I think they're top the top four Conor Bailey, Luke Craig, Harry McGurk, and then and then Ace Piper. If, if Ace Piper has a, a similar season this year to what he did last year, I think they got a, a, a really really good top four. So um, I think it's quite an exciting team from what I know of the know of the riders. I, I can't say I'm, I'm a massive expert on that league, but um, yeah, from what I can see of the riders, I think it's quite a good team.
1: So I'll come. I'll come to you, Ty. Have you had a chance to have a look at the team? For me, they're they're up there with one of the best in the leagues. So and I know it's it, for everybody. It's not just about the win, and it's about the development in that league. But um, what do you think of their team?
3: Yeah, I haven't seen a, a lot of it. Um, I know certain names, and the names that you just reeled off there, like that Luke Harrison. I've seen him. He's he's mightily impressive for a fifteen-year-old. Um and then Luke Crang's a good guy and, and Ace Piper, I seen bits of Ace Piper last year and he progressed quite well. And I said, he messaged me the other day that that he's in France next week as well. So um, obviously he's, he's developing and I think that nationally you can never pinpoint, you can never pinpoint someone's progress in a season. You can never gauge where the, what's going to happen and who's going to develop and who's not going to develop. So for me, you know, that, I think they'll be in the mix. Um, it's obviously going to be daunting and difficult. That track at Workington looks quite an even track, if that makes sense. It's not like a massive home track advantage. Um, so they'll have to get plenty of time on the bike up there and get developed and and see where they go, basically. Um, I, I don't think you can ever predict anything in the National League. That, that's my opinion.
1: Oh, we, we we proved that last year. I think our predictions were terrible in the end. Okay, I'll I'll come to you. I'll come to you and what are your opinions? It's your team. You must be happy with it, though.
4: I think it's very good. I, as as we said, impartial, very impartial. Uh, no, I think it's it's a team better than I was expecting as well. Um, but I honestly believe all seven of them could up the averages this season. Um, and I think we can push on to win the league and the knock cup as well So, but obviously, like Ty said, we will lack the home advantage so they've got to bring their A game every week and mm. there's other teams in that league who, even if you bring your A game, it's not guaranteed winners so, yeah, it's, either way it should be some really good racing up there uh, I'm, I know, I'm I know just you... glad to have them back really. Yeah,
1: of course, just to have Speedway back yeah. um, for me, I know you asked me the question from my point of view um, a few weeks back that that Workington team is as, is as exciting as as you will get in that league. I think. I, I fortunately I had the chance to see. I watched a bit of Luke last season. Um, both the McGurks, I saw those. Um, Connor Bailey is a number one as well, who is for me a genuine number one in that league and will average above nine. I, I think you've got a really strong team, and with someone like Ace Piper as well, what a talent! Absolutely. And, to see them at home every week, you're, you're blessed.
4: The only thing is, in our first meeting against Edinburgh, the Scottish team will have more Cumbrians and the Cumbrian team will have more Scottish riders. <laughs> so, make it make sense.
1: Yeah. Um. So, just moving on then, Ty, and I, this is a subject, I just want to move on to a subject um, that you wanted to talk about previously, and I think we wanted to talk about it on a show as well, and it's it's the mental health in Speedway. Um, so as a rider yourself who's, who's sustained his fair share of injuries over the years, can you talk us through how difficult it can be, both from a, a mental side and a physical side as well?
3: Yeah, there's also the financial side. on that that that's probably the forefront of everything it depends on what level you're at and and stuff like that um you know last year when i got injured you know i didn't have like mechanics that i had to pay and stuff like that you know in the past i didn't have a lot of speedway outgoings but i had everyday life outgoings um the, the physical side it depends on what you're paying but a lot in speedway or in any motorsport, have quite a high pain threshold. So the pain side of it is is not isn't is not that bad at the time. You just recoup, and lay down, relax. Um, but then there's like some injuries that just niggle and niggle and niggle. When I broke my neck and I didn't move my arm for like six months, the nerve pain that I got from that, that was ongoing for probably about two years of just dull, numbing pain. Um, and that's what I experienced. And basically, long story short, what they said at Newcastle was: is where my my vertebrae are fused, the old the nerve that I damaged in the in 2013 had bounced off the vertebrae again. And basically, once you've got a nerve that's bruised, you've just got to tap it the right way, and it will give you the same sensations again. So it, I just had to basically wait for that it's like having a scab basically and you're flicking the scab off and then you've got to rebuild it again but this scab with nerve damage will stay forever so for me that that was like a couple of weeks of um a couple of weeks of of pain and well, not pain just uncomfortable the mental side of it is the hardest thing because you It depends on where you're going at that stage. So for me, like, if I use last year as an example, I just started, like, the people close to me, I just, I said to them all, like, at Berwick the night before Newcastle, like, the people that I speak to after every meeting, I spoke to them and I was like, it's coming. Like, I I feel like I'm, I'm back, not at... The level i was but i feel like I'm, I'm climbing and i'm getting consistent i think i got like nine and i was in heat 15 and and then somehow i, do, I genuinely don't know how averages work but i've now got a four point average and how that works i'll never ever know because i must have hit about in between eight and nine every home meet last year so and then i was dropping a reserve and i was like something that was new to me i've never been at really at reserve like even in the premiership I never really maybe did like my first season I was at reserve and then I did like a couple of meetings and then I'd just go straight back up so for me it was like right well I'm going to be at reserve and I went to Newcastle I made a mistake I saved it I got t-boned head first in the fence and that that yeah so like the consistency was coming on that and then to lay back on the couch for two weeks and then you're like at that level where I was at was like not the end of the world. But if I reflect back to 2013 when I broke my neck and I had to lay on the floor for three months and not move and in a dark room basically for three months and and that three months flew by because it was just all the blur, like the pain pills that I was on and stuff like that. But when you come to, you, you just start talking positive. The whole time you're just thinking in your head about getting back and racing at the same level that you were at, if that makes sense. You, you think like, oh, I'm injured, but, yeah, I'll just come back and everything will be fine and, 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 you know, we'll just build from it and you know what, I've got fast engines and I've got this that's working, that that's working. So then like skip forward, like didn't ride for like six months, rode in Australia and – was like well, like it It was like I'd never been off the bike like I genuinely felt fast like I made a mistake in the first one because I'd played it through my head so much of riding again I just come in like way too fast overturned it saved it and then was like right okay I needed that to get out of the system and then and then just went and it was like i would never been off the bike then I flew here and the first meeting that I did was Mads Cornelius' testimonial at Kings Lynn and I'd flown in like two days earlier from Australia because I wanted to stay in the sun and practice as much as I could in Australia and when I got here obviously because it was cold the nerve the nerve pain that I had was astronomical like so I couldn't move my wrist up and down so it was like stiff and I remember coming out of turn two at Kings Lynn on the back wheel heading to the fence going like I can't move my wrist here like what am I doing like this is crazy so that side of it that's where the mental starts coming in so then that drive home on the way home you're questioning like fuck like I'm in trouble here like you know, deep down, you're in a bit of trouble. And then I had a few other meetings. And that was the year that I signed for Somerset. And I had a few other meetings. And then fuck, Gary May sacks me before press day. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. This isn't good. <laughs> I'm in trouble here. So, like, I'm injured still, trying to fight through. I don't have a championship club. I've only got a source of income coming from the Premiership. I've got a mechanic that I'm paying. And I'm going like, well, how, how is this going to work? Like, and, and that's where the mental starts coming in. Someone like me, I'm, I'm an overthinker. I always have been. So for me, you know, I'd be awake at four or five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, staring at the ceiling, like, what, what, what do I have to do here? Like, and then I'm like trying to train and my arms like, so yeah, the mental side on that is just so hard, and there's so many different mental sides in speedway and in any sport or any walk of life. To overcome it is is very difficult, you know, especially when you're in a rut. Like 2019, when I was at Kings Lynn and Sheffield, Peterborough, and Leicester, you know, like they were they were really hard. Like I had no money coming in; I was struggling, and we're on performance base, so. I wasn't scoring and I wasn't earning and then I feel like my engines are going off and this is going wrong. So I'm spending money out the gazoo, like left, right and centre. And then all of a sudden you've got debt left, right and centre and you've got – all you're thinking about is, well, I'll go to Kingsland tomorrow night and I'll get 10 points and that'll pay for that bill. And then the next meeting I'll I'll do is – you know, let's say at that stage I was at Sheffield, right, and then I'll go back to Sheffield and I'll get like 10 there and then that'll pay that bill. And then you go to those two meetings and you get five and six or none and six or two and six. You start scratching your head going like, well, I'm in a rut here and I can't get out.
1: So I, I probably know the financial element is, is probably intertwined with with the, the mental side of it because as you just mentioned you're always thinking how am I going to pay my bills and you've got outgoings in your house as well as in the sport as well I mean you've just you've just said about do you do riders put extra pressure on themselves to perform because 100%. they know that they need to Rather than extra pressure because they want to put in good performances, it's extra pressure because they're worried about bills.
3: Yes. There, there, there's no other answer to that, but yes. 100%, mate. I'd say 90, 90% of riders. So then this...
1: I suppose this raises another another question that... If, if, if this is the... If, if a rider can't enjoy the racing because they're they're thinking about this, can Speedway ever be classed as a professional sport? In this country, for example, if if riders are going into meetings thinking I've got to do this, to be when not when, when I say that though,
3: when I say yes, yeah, ninety 90%, percent, it's ninety is probably too much. To be fair, so you'll have riders here that will make a good living. Yeah. They're making really good money and they're comfortable and everything's running smooth sailing. It's always the ones. And this is, it's always those middle market riders. If that makes sense, the middle of the road riders. So like, say, say like your, your second strings and your reserves in both leagues in my opinion, and even if you're doubling up, right, because doubling up, yep, you're earning twice the income, but you're, twi- earning, you're running twice the meetings. So you, you, you're getting paid m- more, but you're still outlaying the same money. So that on a whole, when you're flying, it's easy. It, it's like 2018 for me was like, I I spoke to someone about it on the weekend. I sat on the bike. I was like, right, I'm going to drop the clutch now and I'm going to make a start. And then you're in the front and it's like, you don't expect anything else. So then you come back in 2019 and you pull up on the line and you say the same thing to yourself in the head and it doesn't get there. You start going like, what's happening? Like, so yeah, like a lot of riders would be dealing with the same, you know, some will have good sponsors, some will have financial support from family and stuff like that but I'd say long and short majority of riders are riding to earn a living and and and, and do put themselves can put themselves under a lot of financial pressure
1: so i, I suppose it's a, it's a very simple question to ask but a very difficult answer to give how how do you get yourself out of these ruts what there's there's obviously no quick answer or no quick fix to this but what, what's methods my, that you've tried in the past?
3: My, well, I've been in some really, really dark places. Like, I'm fortunate enough that I've got some really good people around me that can kind of see when it's coming, if that makes sense. They, they can sense when, if I go quiet, basically, like, and you don't hear from me for a couple of days, certain people will just ring me and just be like, are you okay? And, and I'll be like, oh, no. I'm struggling like with this or that or, or whatever. And and you have people to talk to and, and talk it through. And you know, for me, I've got like the Bates family and and I've got like Anthony Bickley, like I probably speak to Anthony Bickley like five times a day, like about a- anything in life, if you know what I mean. We we both bounce stuff off each other and and I think that's important that and everyone says it, just talk to your mate you know, that, that, that is important, you know, um, especially when you're in dark times and you can't question what's going on, but you've got to reach out sometimes. Sometimes people won't go to you. Sometimes you've got to reach out, you know, and especially me being Australian, it's quite difficult, you know, like for my family back home, because they can see that I'm struggling and that, like on track and then they'll speak to me and they can tell that something's not right. And then it's just this, it's this, it's just this knock on effect, if that makes sense, that you're just in a rut and, and they're trying to help you. And, you know, there's no easy way out of it, but well, there is an easy way out of it. You go to the next meeting and you drop the clutch and you get in front again and everything else is forgotten about what what's happened in the past is all forgotten about that that for a speedway rider is what happens if you can get to the front win races again all the baggage that you carried is gone miles behind you but it's it's just getting to that level again of right i need to i can get out the start and i'll win a race and and if you spoke to any speedway rider after a good meeting He'll always always say the same, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah, really good night. It was awesome. I made starts and I was fast and yep, everyone's happy. You go and speak to the one that had a really shit night, he's going like, Oh, this fucking shit. What am I doing this shit for? That 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 that's where you're at. And and to find that balance is so hard. It's it's like you're constantly on a seesaw of of ups and downs of emotion in Speedway. You know, take away take away, it, it, you've also got to have a good environment too, you know, like, which I've got, you know, so I can't really comment on others, but unless you've got a good bunch of people around you, I'd hate to be in a situation where I didn't.
1: Because I suppose Speedway at times, especially uh, with the elite um, could probably be quite a lonely place. I I always imagine, <laughs> I I, I want to say, I almost imagine Nicky Pedersen's quite a, um, he's a divisive figure, we know that, but I think he's quite a, a, what I would call a loner as well. And he likes to be by himself.
3: He's the complete it's, opposite. Is he? Yeah.
1: He he always I don't know what kind of Rob thing. He always strikes me, especially when when he was going for his world titles, that he always I've come heard I've heard from,
3: I, I don't know Nicky personally. I I might have met him once or twice, but I, I don't really know him personally. I hear from a lot of people of how how the Nicky Pedersen you see at the speedway is not the Nikki Pedersen in everyday life. He is a friendly, um, outgoing, social. If you like, look at his social medias, he, He's always got like friends around in his house and playing games with his his missus and kids. And he's a very, very uh, energetic person away from speedway. But some people, when they get to the track, no helmets on. Like I, we couldn't have this conversation now if I was at a meeting, if that makes sense. Because for me, for me, something flicks in my head and then that's it. So what we did at at Kingsland in 2018 when I had Mason Campton working for me, we'd drive all the way to the Maccas just before the the stadium and it would be laughing and joking and just being dickheads really and then the moment we got to that mackers, would play the same song every week and it was like a pump up song would play that as soon as that was played we would turn the radio off and we'd be in silence until and then we'd just talk business me and mason would just talk about speedway not really have a laugh would have the odd laugh and joke at the stadium with whoever but it was all purely for business and then the moment we got in the change rooms and had a shower I would get back in the van. It was like two lads driving around on a Saturday night again. So that balance is, it's about having that balance. But the problem is, is people in sport and everything, you, you just try and replicate that all the time. And you can never replicate. When you're in that zone and things are working, you can't replicate it again. You've got to find a different avenue to go.
1: I suppose what you've you've just explained is people become when they're in sport, it's the focus and they become blinkered mm-hmm. to when I say blinkered, it's it's because they've become got one selfish. goal. Yeah. And I've I've I always I think I said last week and this is where a comparison I can make to Bartosz Marzik, although they they're almost totally different characters, they're they're focused and they've got one job and that is to be the best and be world champion. Yeah. And if that's what you have to do to get into that zone. And everybody, I guess every rider has something different. I mean, I've seen many a rider joking about it at Speedway. Yep. And then if you if you go walk past those pits at interval time, it, it, it's a totally different environment to what you see before a meeting.
3: Yep. Yep. So, so I, I had in 2018 also, like, Simon Lambert signed for us and I'd known of Simon Lambert and raced against Simon for years. And within a week, he was like, Jesus, I thought you were the most arrogant bastard in the world. And you're really not like, but that was big. And my answer to him was, is yeah, well I never had to speak to you before now. Like you were the opposition. Why would I come and have a laugh and a joke with you? You you didn't mean, and you were the opposition. Now you're a part of the team and you know, in this inner sanctum of of this team, then the, the real me comes out of who I actually am. And from that day on, me and, Robert, uh, me and Simon get on really well. But it opened my eyes a lot of the way that I was portrayed. And, and I know the way, I know that fans don't like me. I, I accept that. And I know that because when I'm there, I can be an asshole. I can be focused determined and i'm not the person that i am now that i'm portraying because i have to do those things to be able to go out there and ride a speedway bike around the track flat out with no brakes on to win you know and and that that balance is very hard you know and and i've done that i was like that when i was a kid all the way through like when i was at a meeting It's my job. Like, I'm going there to work and I'm not going there to do anything else but work and strive towards the goal that I've set out. Hmm.
1: So you mentioned about having a laugh with the opposition. I just wondered, how does it work in a pit environment? And I won't use compatriots because it's probably different for people from the same country. But say, for instance, on the opposition of one meeting and then, say, the following day, your teammates.
3: How, How does that work? It's difficult. It's difficult, like but but between that so say before parade, I'd say, you'll see riders talking to one another, but you rarely see riders talk in between like the 15 eats. Like yeah, you wouldn't see me talking to an opposition unless I was shouting at them in between the fifteen eats. So it is difficult in that aspect. You know, like I I use Nikolai as a big example on that because for so many years, me and Nikolai have got like a really strong friendship. But if it makes sense, we don't really speak a lot or hang out a lot. But when we see each other, it's like uh, we have a laugh and a joke. But we were teammates for so long together at Wolves and then he went his different way and then I raced against him and then you stand offish a little bit if that makes sense you you're not well you're not you're not there having a laugh and a joke and, and speedway riders will go through this uh this it's not a cycle but it's a cycle you you've got these friends right but they're not you won't hang out with them if that makes sense but until you're in the team again with them then all of a sudden you're like best mates again like it's like you're inseparable you know so like Ludwig lingering, for example, I've had many a good times with Ludwig Lindgren, but I don't pick up the phone and ring him. Like, that's just the way that speedway works.
1: Mm.
3: So, I imagine yeah. that's in, imagine well, the best way to describe it would be like going to work with someone and then a bit different, but going to work with someone every day for five years. And then he's at the opposition.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. And I suppose moving on from that, then again, we look at the mental side of it. Again, is there what's in place at clubs? Do clubs support riders um, with with mental health? Um, and are there is the Speedway Control Board, the governing body? Do they have sanctions in place as well, or I that you're aware I, of? Is, I, I, is I believe I problem?
3: believe the BSPA and the ACU and the SCB have got things in place now. Um, clubs. Clubs, yes and no. Like if you've got like a good team money. Manage- so when I was at Kingsley and I had Dale that me and Dale spoke most days and we bounced. if I was struggling a little bit or whatever, we bounced stuff off one another and, and stuff like that. But then I've been at other clubs where not really like, um, Wolverhampton was quite good. You'd have like Pete and, and Chris. They, they were really good. Like they're a really, really good club where they always look after their riders. And, and I think that shows with the retention of riders at Wolverhampton that you see that there's loyalty on both sides. Like um, they, they look after their riders and I, I, everyone's different, I guess. You know, every club's different. But in terms of a mental health, I wouldn't have said so, no. But everything, it, it, then it all comes back to a cost. done that, everything, you, you know, you can have a conversation, but if you're going to draft somebody in to help with mental health, that that comes at a cost. And then, unfortunately, it comes back to you guys, the fans. You know, we we've got to find a balance here. That that that's the biggest thing right now, where writers make a living, clubs make a living, and fans are happy with what's happening. Right now, we've got fans that aren't happy with how much they're paying to get in. You've got clubs that aren't making any money and riders that aren't making any money.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because I don't know.
3: I, I could tell you right now, I don't know a speedway club in England that's made a profit.
1: Yeah, and I can quite believe that.
3: So, so, so. You've got fans jumping up and down saying, I want such and such and I want such and such. It comes at a cost, right? So we're, we're not, I look at premiership football. I look at premiership football and I've got into it a little bit more recently. Quite a big fan of talk sport in the morning at the, at the moment, driving into work. And I listen to this shit and I, I just sit there and I compare everything and I think about things. So you've got f- football fans, yeah? So, somebody invests in the club they expect them to spend like a chelsea 360 million and then just expect results well we we'll spent all that money but if they hadn't have spent that money you still get in the same pain and anguish right now chelsea just aren't winning that, that that's just plain and simple there's a there's a reason there but they're just not winning right so that that's just the way it is at the minute you you're just not winning right so we support the club and we help them grow. And then we find those missing ingredients to then win again. If that makes sense. I've seen, which I'm not a big football fan, but I've seen with like Sheffield Wednesday, I watched for so long and Sheffield Wednesday would like crumble under pressure and everything like that. The club has spent essentially no money, brought free agents in people that wanted to play football and be at the club. Now, all of a sudden they're at league one, top of league one again. And, 20 gum, games unbeaten like so sometimes it's just the ingredients of everything else it might not necessarily be might not necessarily like we discussed earlier about working to you look at those seven riders and you go yeah not a bad looking paper they could dance like right finish bottom of the league that that potentially that could happen or they could win the league my opinion is, is you just support whether you come and last or you win, winning. L- let's just get around them, lads. We build something up, build an environment where we can have, we can have success. Mm.
1: And it's just, I, I suppose, a, a, a hypothetical question from me. If you had to choose, would, <laughs> would it be a winning team where you didn't get on with half the team or would it be a, a team that weren't doing so well, but a team that you could get along with. What's more important for you? Winner. I suppose what's more important for you now and what was more
3: important for you in the past? Um, well, when you're winning, when you're winning, you have that. You, you Everyone gets on. Everyone gets on when you're winning. Mm. when you lose and no one gets on well you get on yeah but then deep down you've got in the back of your mind like well he only got four points tonight (laughs) he only got six points tonight and you try and help and then you give your like opinion on like and opinions are like assholes don't get me wrong everyone's (laughs) got one like so you go to a rider and you'll be like hey mate like uh, like what's up tonight oh why don't you try this or what and sometimes that's the worst thing in the world just don't just don't I think sometimes, and as much as we spoke about the mental health, sometimes you can have too much on you, if that makes sense. You've got one rider saying put that jet in, and then you've got one rider saying drop the sprocket, and then you've got somebody else saying put the ignition up. And it's not just all the, it's not just all the riders; it's the mechanics and and the entourage that are in the pits that all have got opinion. All of a sudden, you've got thirty five people saying to you on ways that you can improve. And you're sitting there going like, fucking this is too much. Like, you, you've got no answer. So so where
1: do the answers come from, I suppose? You mentioned entourage there. As if that's a... Is it a bad thing to have so many people to give opinions? And what opinions... Whose opinions do you value and listen to the most?
3: Well... Everyone in Speedway, right? So if you, as Speedway fans, it, it that you boys are, so a Speedway rider, every Speedway rider wants a bike to feel. They want the bike to do the same thing, but they want it to feel different. It's it's like, it's like driving a car where your seat position is, if that makes sense. So for me, I like as if you were driving your car down the motorway, and you were doing like seventy, and it's cruising but it's revving at say like two and a half thousand RPM. I'd like to have a seventh gear and knock it in where it labors. So it's like, bro, like, so I like when a bike comes out the corner, to sound like it's like, it's not screaming. It's not revving, It's gargling like out the corner. That's the way that I like a bike to ride. But when you come into problems, everyone says, then says to me, your bike's flat. It sounds, it sounds flat that like it's not revving and i'm going with you but i don't like it like that so and then people because they've got an opinion and and it might work for them they feel like that they've got to push that onto you if that makes it and this is when times are, are tough if that makes sense when you're when you're losing meetings or you're in the bottom of the league or a writer like me like me in 2019 is a prime example of this i i just had everyone having an opinion on what I could change to be faster, and and deep down, it, I don't know what the answer was. Like I was in a rut. It just happens, and I couldn't put my. Fit, I still couldn't tell you now, what what the answer is. You know, one day I go to Peterborough, I sign at Peterborough, and I break track record on the same stuff that I was riding at Kings Lynn. I go back to Kings Lynn, riding the same setup, the same bike, and everything, and reel off the four straight wins, but a month earlier i couldn't buy a point
1: i think i think that generally always amazes all fans and and those that don't have a full understanding of, of how the how a bike works and the setups of a bike like once you is it is it a case of once you find a setup that you're comfortable with do you try and keep that setup or does it does it fluctuate depending on it fl- how it, fl- it fluctuates on
3: so, what the service is like yeah yeah so Pre-new – I don't know how long you boys have been involved with Speedway, but pre-new Muff I, – I know Rob's been around a while. So when Lee rode – yeah? Lee like, yeah, had, I won't tell you how long I've been around now. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, well, well a few years ago. But when Lee rode, right, we used old silencers. Yeah. The, the gauge of an old silencer was is you could be a sprocket out 25 at uh, five degrees out on your ignition – 20 degree 20 20 out on your jet you know you you could adapt now with the way that these new silences are you've got minimal minimal room to play you've got it you've got if you're don't have the right sprocket on in the race it, it's just not happening for you it's it's just not you you won't be able to you just won't be as fast so since these new silences, you see some riders that get out in front that have had a tough night. They might go and change something. They get out in front and you're going like, holy shit, where did that come from? But if you look at the big picture of everything in, in Speedway, the same people, the same fast people that are fast, if you yeah. look at it like that, you say your top 10 in the world, are always your top 10 in the world, whether Lee Adams was riding – the old silences of Lee Adams come back, was able to come back now and ride and, and was at his prime. Lee Adams would still be top five in the world. That, that is just – but that comes – it all comes at cost. So you said about, Rob, uh, Nathan, about once you find a setup up that works. So I could ride an engine on Wednesday at Kings Lynn and then ride it at Sheffield Thursday and be like, geez, that feels good. And then I have Friday off, Friday, right? Saturday, say, Workington, Sunday, somewhere else, all on the same engine. By Monday, I might get back on that engine and it's gone off like that, like no good anymore. And you start questioning, you're changing things. Am I having an off night? Is that engine going off? So then you send it to a tuner and they service it and it comes back sharp again. So it's really, really strong again. Right, so then you've got to detune a little bit, and you get probably a meeting or two, and then it, it's in that sweet spot again for probably about six meetings, and then it'll go off again. And then you send it to the tuner, and it comes back, and it doesn't feel the same again. And you're going yeah. like, "Eh, like, what is fucking happening here?" So you you ring the tuner and go like, "Have you done anything different with this?" No, no, no. Put it all back. Just send it back, and we'll have a look. Right, so that you send it back. They redo it again. This is all coming at cost. So you send it all back and he services it and you get it back and it's sharp again at the beginning. And then you have a stretch, another six, eight meetings. It's all good. And then it goes off again. And you're just like, huh? like what is happening? So someone like me that's never had a huge budget at Speedway, when that comes off I and somebody that just blames themselves, I'd start going like, yeah, it's just me. I've just had an off night. I've had an off night. You know, you you can't put your finger on it if that makes sense. You know, back in back in earlier times, you could get away with it. You could you could just get on a bike and ride it, and it would be like, oh, it's gone off a bit. But yeah, we'll finish the meeting on this, and then we'll unbolt it, and it'll all be good. It's the, just the evolution of where things are gone. For me, these new Antlers tires. For me, I I just. Any time I ride them, I just go like, "Well, these aren't any good. <laughs> like, I, I don't like them."
1: I was going to say there was certain. Was it um was it Artem Laguta who rode the analyst tyres in the GPS? Yeah, that
2: was different... that the, no, the Polish ran in Rostov when he he yep. uh, he pissed it, didn't he? And then so yeah. there's
3: different. There's different. There's different tyres. So there's different like soft. There's there's different tyres. So the ones that Artem was using uh a tubeless tires so the rims are like a fortune like i'm talking like three grand right and then you just put them on and you blow them up poof, and then they sit in the corner for two days and then you bring them out we, english league we we can't really do that so we're still the only league that supplies tires in the world so we 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 beef at bspa about tyres and what's going on at like Peterborough last year. My question is: Is we'll buy your own tyres then, right? Mm-hmm. We'll go to a world where we've all got to buy our own tyres, and the BSPA will take it, and clubs will take away that, take away that, that that pain and anguish. The reason they do it is to make it balanced, right? So you go to a Polish league match or a GP or something, you could just go to your average Polish second division league match. And the reserve will roll in with his two bikes and six brand new tires. (laughs) Well, I couldn't sustain that. So I used to go two bikes and two tires and not being funny, normally only ever used one and be like, yeah, that's the next meeting. Like, but they'd be putting a brand new tire in every race. Those GPs, those boys are putting a brand new edge on every race. Right? So British B-Way looks at that and goes, well, that's the cost that's going to incur. Like that that just, how can a national, well, not a national league, how can it, you know, a young reserves sustain that cost every meet? Let's make it fair across the board, which I agree on. I do agree on that. But then when tyres are going off at like Peterborough and stuff like that and riders voicing a lot of opinion of this, fucking put your hand in your pocket and buy your own tyres. Yeah. I I just think that pre New Silences life was a lot a lot better, but I get why we had to go to New Silences. I, I do, but you know, like I, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just it, it's tough and it's it's so mentally tough and draining. That that's the thing, you know. So like, like I said earlier, I've been in touch with a couple of clubs and you know. Potentially, I may ride in England this year. Potentially, I may not, right? But that this this thing in the back of my head is, and the people that are closer to me, none of them are saying, like, can't afford to get injured. Can you deal with all this again? Like, can you deal with the everyday run into speedway? If you can't perform, are you, can you accept that? You know, that that's the hardest thing. Me laying awake at night at 5 a.m. going like, fuck's sake, like, I've driven driven to Plymouth tonight and back and I've scored one point, like, and why is the reason that we got one point? And you're sitting there and you start from engines and you start from everything. And all of a sudden, you're in this evil little cycle. And when you're a kid and your dad's running everything for you, it's easy. It's just easy. You just show up, you ride your bike, say to your dad, "Bike shit, and you walk off. And when it becomes... A man and you're you're growing up and you 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 fend them for yourself, that's that's where it's difficult. Mm. I'll
1: just I'll just head over to, to Rob and Kane and see if they've got anything they want to add or ask you, Ty. Um, yeah, no problems.
2: Um or what I mean the question I was gonna ask, because going back onto the back onto the ties, my dad told me he he did a bit of mechanic in, in like the nineties and he told me so. Every team in Britain is it still the case? Every team, so when you turn up, you get seven tires. You get a tire per per rider. Is that it? No matter how, even if you turn up with six and you have got rider replacement, you still get seven tires. Is that right? Correct. Right. Okay. So then, and obviously, you can swap those tires between yeah, riders. Right, I guess so as well. if
3: you've got our, if you've got rider replacement, you <clears throat> someone. It's normally a bitch fight in the pits of who's got to <laughs> who's got to fit this the second tire. Somebody of somebody will fit a second tire and then it'll just go like – it'll basically go like in your heats as long as like the track's are right, right. It'll go in – whoever's got the RR will, will use the tyre. But then say like some clubs I've been at, you try and save it for like if it's a tight meeting, you try and save it for the the last two heats. So like heat 13 and 15. Yeah. And you give it to like the number one to try and get that edge. You know what I mean? But – like I don't know. It's just at the end of the day, it's a tire. At the end of the day, and and you know, I, I when I was in Poland, I used to be like dumbfounded. Like you do, you just see wheels everywhere. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, fucking, oh, this is mental. Like, I, I couldn't fathom it. You know, in that aspect, but for, for kids, like say, like even that under twenty four league, they'll be just rolling tires out, left, right, and center.
2: Was it in the even in the Polish league were they were the riders or paying for their own tires? and just yeah. rocking up and paying for their own tires, or do the clubs help out with tires at well, all? Well, it, depend,
3: it depends on what your contract is. So when I was at Lublin, my deal stated that the club would supply tires. So when I showed up, there was four tires at every meeting. And my mechanic, well, that, that'd be four tires delivered to my There'd be a shitload of tires delivered in my workshop. And my mechanic used to bring four a meeting. Right. Yeah. But it, everyone's very, if you know what I mean, like I've been to, when, when I was at Poznan, I had to supply my own. When I was at Rotslav, Rotslav supplied it. When I rode in Sweden, I had to pay for my own tires. Um, yeah, you have to supply your entire France. I've got to buy my own tires. Um, so it, it varies, mate. You know what I mean? Like in Australia, as a kid, you, you bought your own tires and you know, I used to buy like the really soft compound tires, you know, yeah. my dad used to be like, right, we'll, we'll buy the better ones, you know? So we bought the better ones, but then leading up to coming to here, it was like, right, let's buy English, English league tires. So, so I like. Is it like? Do
2: the tires make a make a huge difference? In certain, like, is it is it a case of don't skimp on your don't skimp on your tires? If, it, if you know, when you when you buy them, is it does it make oh. a huge difference in in a heat or
3: not? Not not really. It not really. So like a uh, funny story actually. You might actually like this. There's a bit of humor at the back end of this. Um, one year when we were at Sheffield, it must have been 2015. We'd signed Arthur Sissis from. Uh, Australia. He was a MotoGP rider, MotoGP 3 rider. And we all went to Scunthorpe practicing. We rode around all day and, uh, and, and and we practiced and whatever. And then we went to a league match in the daytime there. And he had this theory and it was it was like a concrete day. And uh, middle part of the meet a couple of riders were struggling. And he went to every rider and said, listen, find your worst tyre possible worst tire possible heat it up so you do a burnout like heat it up so it's sticky and it'll be like a racing slick on tar he said because it's got novels on it when you got novels on it and he explained it and i was like holy fuck like this is and we won sixty three twenty seven that day we just went like we had reserves beating their number ones and stuff and it was all because he was like no 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 like it's just like riding on tire this like so let's let's let let's make racing slicks. So then one day I watched him, we were, we shared a workshop together and we were going practicing at Scunny again. <clears throat> he got a knife out and just cut off all the knobs off all the tire and we put it on and we went and practiced. We couldn't even steer around the truck. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is next level. So I learned quite a lot with that. Like so, but then like you go to like Kings Lynn, I could do three meetings with the tire. If, if it was typical grippy Kings Lynn, you could get away with three, to, uh, a tire for three meetings at Kings Lynn does not chew the knobs at all. Doesn't even take that. You get like little like knobbly bits on the end of a tire. doesn't even take them off. So like Kings Lynn tires are irrelevant, but if that goes slick at Kings Lynn, choose the hell out of my peterborough so this is where the finding the middle ground for like and i feel for buster finding that middle ground at peterborough Mm -hmm. of grippy and slick like when it's when it's slick mate just choose them to a million pieces when it's grippy it doesn't even take knobbed off
1: Hmm. brilliant well um we're going to have to wrap it up, Ty. I think yep, we no talk, worries, we, mate. We could talk to you for hours about speedway. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You're always a pleasure when you come on the show. So uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Ty. And I, we'd love to get you on the show again. Yeah, It's, no it's problem. always insightful when we talk to you. But I, I, I've
3: got a quick question for Rob. Yeah, go um, on, mate. Obviously, go we, obviously on. we still know Swindon. Did yeah. you venture to Oxford quite a bit?
2: Uh, I went to four or five meetings at Oxford last season, I think. Um, I went to the, the Championship Pairs meeting. And I did i I think I did four or five league meetings
3: yep right okay so the, I don't really know is then what's happening with Swindon do you know
2: um well they've got um so there's no there won't be speedway at the Abbey ever again right um the the speedway club has pulled out of that entirely um right. the track is still there the stadium has to be as far as I'm aware or what the local MP says is that the stadium has to be built before the houses that are right next door to the stadium could be sold. So they're just sat there empty at the moment. Right. So um, until the stadium is built, they can't sell those houses because it's the same developer. So there's, I think the same, same company is building both. So it's sort of right. it's part of the contract. Although I would imagine with the Speedway now gone, they'd probably just roll over and let them sell them anyway. But Right. Okay. Um,
3: I didn't know that. that that's why I asked. I had... I haven't heard anything about Swindon in a long time. Anyway. No,
2: it's and then you've got uh, Terry Russell, and you've got Gaming International set up a, a sort of separate, com- a separate, a separate company as such to um, find somewhere within a twenty-minute drive of the centre of Swindon right. for a new, for a new stadium, for a completely new venue altogether. Which right. I, 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 yeah, I don't, I can't see that happening. If I am being honest, um, they put out a little it. thing a few months ago asking, like. Asking for fans to come up with area come up with ideas for where they could stick it and stuff like that, and it's yeah, it just doesn't. Right. Well, you know. I,
3: I don't think Kane would have ever thought he'd ever see Speedway at Workington again.
2: No, that is true. That is true. And, so, and when,
3: if you ever get to go there, my lord, is that impressive?
2: I'm, to be fair, I'm, I'm I'm keen. I'm hoping to get out there. It's a long way, but yeah, I'm, long I'm definitely I'll definitely give it a go. But it's a, it's um, a
3: long way from anywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've always said that.
2: Is,
3: um, can't comment either.
2: <laughs> there is, uh there is obviously there is a Swindon Select team racing Oxford next month right. in uh, in a challenge match in a pre-season match. I know Doyle is uh, Jason Doyle is is riding for Swindon at number one, but I'm and I've heard little glimpses of who else could be in the team. But oh, that's good. So that's something. I,
3: I, I just uh, Swindon was always it'll be like Kings Lynn going or something like that. That Swindon were always a big club, you know, with a big yeah. number one. Yeah. Know, when, it's a shame, you know, like you know as a kid in Australia, I always knew who Swindon was because of, like Lee and everything like that and yeah, it's not good but hey yes yeah, it's,
1: it's life it's bit,
3: things come and go, don't they? It's a,
1: it's a big name that's synonymous with British Speedway and we, we all hope not just for Rob but for Speedway in general that Swindon come back. Uh, yeah, at some point it, it'd be like you like
3: going like when there was yeah. talks at the old that, that they weren't getting that new stadium. And this is no dig on like Workington. Workington's been and gone once already. And it's not being funny. They had 230 people at one stage in 2018, you know. But these big clubs, we, we start losing them and we're in real, real trouble, yeah. you know. So, yeah. there's,
1: right, there's boys. Coventry, uh, Cradley, Cradley, Heath, all of those. We'd love to see Bradford. We'd love to see those back in. I don't think we'll see Bradford again, back. But, yeah. Before we go, we just want to wish you well on uh, Sunday, um, four-team tournament, first meeting in France. All the best to you, Ty, for that meeting. I appreciate Uh, that, boys. I believe there's a live stream going on, so um, I shall be trying to catch that. Well, you know uh, more than me. in action.
3: Don't expect too much.
1: (laughs) 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 Just just (laughs) enjoyable to see some Speedway again. Well,
3: yeah, me too, mate. Um, I'm looking forward to it. um, Like I say, boys, potentially... Potentially, I could be on the tracks in the UK in the not too distant future. If I'm not, I won't be far away anyway. Yeah, so. Hopefully, hopefully but we will get to see you in the listen UK. Listen, I, I I enjoyed the chat. Um, and uh, anytime, mate, anytime you want to have a chat, just uh, send me a message.
1: Always a pleasure, Ty. It's been brilliant once again. But for, for now, thank you for joining us on the show. Cheers, big boys. thank you from from us three for listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have. Next week is another big one for us. We've got Paul Bowen on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about a meeting that he's doing at Scunthorpe, uh, taking control of in the electric versus uh, petrol. Is he? Speedway, yep. Next, uh, That's going on at uh, Scunthorpe on March the 5th. He's the orchestrator of that. So we're looking forward to a conversation with Paul next week about that. So for now, thanks very much, Ty. Thanks, Robin Kane. And we'll speak to you all again next week. Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys.
3: Up. bye